Welcome to Cathedral Talk, a podcast about architecture and Minecraft, where we converse to save Notre Dame. guys are pulling me away from a very special episode of Slip and Slidey Icy Fightin'. Slip and Slidey Icy Fightin'? What's that? That, that, That's a thing. It's my uh, state-sponsored hockey team is in the hockey finale, uh, and it's going on right now. Oh, the the hockey finale is definitely what the hockey people call it, right? The Stanley Tucci Cup. (laughs) Stanley Tucci Cup. Is this a state level, national, or international competition? Well, it's, it's... international in the same sense that the world series of baseball is the world series canada's involved right yeah i think canada's involved in the nhl as well yeah they've got a bunch of teams i think yeah one or two but yeah no it's the colorado avalanche versus the some other florida tampa bay lightning thingy well boo florida hockey like that's that's fake snow. Exactly. Boo fake snow. Yes. So Colorado never uses fake snow. I'm sure never. Not on any of your ski resorts do you ever use fake snow. So this this the twentieth episode better be super important to pull me away. What do we do every ten episodes? Hockey. We talk about something important. Hockey. Did we talk about hockey ten episodes ago? I'm sure we didn't. No, we did not. Wait. No, wait, 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 wait. It's coming to me. We talked about lacrosse. Oh, actually, we might have. We did talk about lacrosse. I remember now. Lacrosse. We might have. Probably wasn't 10 episodes ago. Yeah, it was. That was 10 episodes ago. Oh, man. I'm pretty sure I said something mildly offensive about lacrosse. <laughs> no. Oh, my goodness. We talked about bells. So is this going to be another bell episode or what? Uh, I think the title of the episode will probably give it away in some shape or form. So, yeah, I think uh, I, as I alluded 10 episodes ago, I am a bell ringer and I do like to talk about bells uh, with regular frequency. What is David? David is jingling a child's toy in front of the mic, hoping that it will pick up better than it is. It's a bell. Bells. Live. Is that one of the things that you put while the child lies on the ground? Yes. About as far away removed as possible from the bells we'll be talking about today, but all bells, still bells nonetheless. So I'll res- I'll respect your desire to share them. I would argue the farthest bells away from the bells we're going to talk about today are phone bells. Phones ring. Those are bells, right? Maybe. I don't think those are those are. I I guess the word ring though, right? Yeah, they're called ringtones. But can can non bell things ring? Yes, because phones, original phones, it's because there were bells on the phone, right? Ring, 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 ring. Yeah, there were bells on the phone. What's what's something else that can ring that is not a bell? Donut. That's that's the noun ring, not the verb ring. Oh, donuts don't to ring. You made this joke uh, last time around. Actually, it was more of an observation where you were contemplating whether or not the word ring and the fact that some of the bells ring in a circular fashion, was there any relationship there? So you're telling me I have no original material. Yeah, that's pretty much what I'm saying. We also have no answers to the question 10 episodes later. I wanted to talk about after the episode 10, where I sort of devolved into like, I don't, I don't really understand your like fascination with bells i can't really like get into the headspace about listening to the bells the same way that you do and i don't really know what you're appreciating here and when i went to go see bells in person like it was a really visceral experience that i was feeling it was like burr, burr, and it was shaking like my my teeth and this is when you visited me right exactly yeah you yeah. you gave me this experience about being near bells that i i wasn't able to feel while listening in my headphones. And then we had this episode a couple episodes back about can you faithfully reproduce what it's like to attend live music? Right. And it got me thinking about a couple things bell related that I wanted to ask the group before we get into any bell specific things. This is like a culmination of two episodes, just like a, a follow up. Yeah. So you've been to all sorts of different cathedrals or and churches and different 
structures, religious or not. Probably not as many as Dr. Stephen Murray, but I've been to several. You've been to several. I grew up in a sleepy New England town, so there was a church nearby that had speakers set up inside the bell tower. Yeah. And it would play hourly chime to tell you what time it is. And I could hear it well over a mile away. Presumably not actual bells, right? Just recorder. Yeah, recording. Yeah, recording of it. And I don't think from the distance that I would listen to that playback that I would be able to tell the difference between the fact that like I knew it was a recording mentally, but I don't think I would have been able to distinguish if those were real bells or not real bells. From your experiences, are you able to tell the difference between real bells and not real bells from speaker systems? So that's a funny comparison point for us uh, as well, or at least me, but the town that we uh, grew up in had a very similar just down the road like one city block length away equivalent a catholic church that had a speaker system up on a tower that would play tunes i don't think it was an on the hour chiming thing but it was just like it would play tunes for 15 minutes or so it had tunes and also had sort of weird not exactly chimes more like uh new agey kind of sounds interesting i don't remember that I remember being, oh, I don't know, 10 or 12. And at that point, not knowing the difference and just assuming that there were bells up there. And at some point someone said like, oh, David, that's a recording. I'm like, really? I don't, I don't really, I don't believe you. Uh, and then, and locking by, because then there was another church in the area where you could see a bell visibly. That was the Methodist church. Wasn't the first Baptist have one too? Oh yeah, they have one, but you can't see it. Oh, I thought you could see the first Baptist one. You're right. I guess I am thinking of the Methodist. Yeah. Um, Oh no, you're throwing me. I'm so you could definitely see First Baptist, can't you? No, no, you cannot see First Baptist. But isn't there like a bell in the No. Mm, no. Nope. First Baptist. Oh, crumble, another crumble. argument I'm about to win. This is wonderful. Yeah, for once. I mean, you were older, so and paid attention to bells at that age. So Oh come on, you were a senior in high school when you were still kicking around in the stomping grounds. I didn't care about bells at that point. I care about bells later. First Baptist. Okay, you're right. So there's a tower that feels like there's a perfect spot for a bell, but no bell there. It's just like this big open space at the top of a tower and then a clock and then a shutter area where the bell is. Okay. Yeah. Gotcha. But then just down the street is the Methodist church with the uh, the more visible bell. Yep. One point for Tom. Okay. So even even if you can't see the bell at, um, at the First Baptist, that one could actually ring, correct? Oh, yes. Yeah. I, I, although, let's be real. I, I believe it chimed. It didn't ring. Sure. Chime. Right. Ringing is when a bell swings. Right. More like what people imagine in their heads. Whereas chiming is more like Big Ben, where it's just mounted stationary and struck with a mallet. And then that one also chimed on the hour, I believe. That one was, I think, always on the hour, if I remember correctly. Yeah. So, yeah. So in the town, we had dueling chiming bells, one a recording, one an actual bell. And these were... How far apart is that? Maybe a mile apart from each other. Very small town. Yeah. Um, I'd say probably less than a mile. And so, yeah, I just, it took me to go back to the original question. It took me years to realize that it was a recording. In my adulthood, I would say that it is blatantly obvious. Um, not, but that's partially from knowing more about how those sounds are made and the number of tunes that that Catholic church claims to be able to make through its recording like there's no way they have what would have to be a carol on large enough to make sounds like that but that's a lot of adult knowledge uh laid over top well to add to your story if i remember this story correctly dad once heard from again we're not catholic so we never attended the catholic church but dad once heard a story that the priest at the catholic church was like really into like the new software they got for these artificial bells in the tower and was trying to find every excuse possible to just have them play whenever uh, willy-nilly. And uh, we also had a music professor in town who taught at the university in town. And he was relaying this information to our dad. And he said it with absolute sorrow. <laughs> but was it the music selection that tipped you off that it wasn't a real bell? Or was it the quality of the audio coming out of the speaker that tipped you off? Combination of both, I'd say for me at this point. Growing up, I thought it was a, a reasonably viable sound. Um, that's why I was confused. Like, like those sound like bells to me. And I remember like pushing back a little bit. Like, no, those have got to be bells, right? 
but I push back on most things. <laughs> <laughs> now, I think if I was walking down the street and it's one of those things where it's happened, I've heard it so much throughout my life that I just, it's just kind of background noise. I don't even process it necessarily, but uh, I think I could pretty without question be able to tell the difference uh in sound quality i would say that probably to any any person who isn't used to just actively thinking about bells which is you know most other people not me (laughs) um you probably wouldn't think about these things but i remember thinking thoughts quite early there are an awful lot of bells in that tower if that's real yeah (laughs) and it's like as soon as you realize that they're playing like 15 20 different pitches you're like, there's no way that tiny little, you know, tower could have all these bells in it. It just doesn't make sense, right? Yeah. And bells are expensive, right? Whenever they've been cast, it would have been expensive at any point in time. But that's the music selection, right? That's not the audio yeah. quality. Yeah. yeah, so that's yeah, just one true. of the many reasons that I would have been aware that this is not real. But yes, I think if you put that to the side, if you if you put aside logic, like, well, if you count the number of bells and the amount of mass that the tower can hold, there <laughs> certainly cannot be real bells. If you put that to the side, and then if you if you're just focused on the quality of the audio itself, it's hard to put into words why I would know instantly. And again, I'm clearly more attuned than most people to the sound of bells, but it, it doesn't have nearly as much of a resonance that's exactly the word i was thinking of it doesn't have resonance it doesn't have the overtones that bells live have yeah it it just there's there's a certain resonance that i have never experienced through a recording on any speaker system that a bell can create and this is a point that if i had more time to go back and re-edit our audio acoustics episode I I wanted to speak a little bit more, and I'll use this opportunity to talk about this now, that while Zach was making the argument in that episode, like, I I don't want my argument uh, to be solely based on whether technology can produce this. Let's just assume that technology one day will be able to replicate anything perfectly. I will push back and argue that I'm not convinced there are some things that can be perfectly replicated. And I think this is one of those times that if it can be replicated, it seems eons off okay (laughs) yeah i don't know how far away it is i don't know how much money people are willing to spend on church speaker systems to make them so close to reality that you can't tell the difference from ground level like it doesn't seem like something that i'm going to experience in my lifetime eons away or 60 years away doesn't really matter to me i i agree at that point that it it's not something I'm probably going to be hearing. You know, there's the there's a flip side of this is what about just recordings in general? Like if you want to listen to recordings of bells for pleasure, like me, on a CD, uh, if you're, you know, living in the early 2000s, or if you, you know, are just watching different videos of recordings on YouTube. Now, how close can those recordings get to what the experience of listening to those bells is like? It's just so different to be there in person listening to bells rather than listening on a computer. Well, that brings me to the second question that I was going to ask you guys, which I think is pretty relevant, because I thought that the experience of bells was a visceral one. And I went to a concert recently. It was a bluegrass concert. When you think bluegrass, you kind of think, you know, fiddle, strings, you don't think very loud. But the speaker system at the venue was so incredibly powerful that like it was a visceral experience listening to bluegrass and it was (laughs) exclusively due to the speaker system (laughs) and it's like if you had a speaker system like that that can turn bluegrass into a body shaking experience (laughs) like can't you have a speaker system do the same thing for bells for the average person i think probably yes once again the catholic church in our hometown was not the world's best speaker system but it was yeah i don't think that's a fair test to put to what zach's trying to do right but my point being because it's not the best in the world i i I do think it was probably reasonably convincing for lay people walking around would be my guess Mm -hmm. (laughs) at least was for a 12 year old i think uh, though uh um, uh, to to make a, a caveat a difference here though those were ostensibly a carillon, chimed bells, yep. not rung bells. Um, rung bells do have way more overtones and resonance Yes, that increases, as we said, the complexity in the sound that it would be much harder to replicate. Well, also, so the thing about recording bells, 
is you're recording the sound not only of the bell, but the environment that the bell is in, right? Yeah. Therein lies the difference. The bell is producing sounds that manifest in very different ways, depending on if you're in a crowded city with lots of buildings surrounding the church tower, or if you're in, you know, our small hometown that's much more open fields and wide parking lots and things. And again, when you're when your task is to record the sounds of a bell as an acoustical engineer would have to do for these different programs, what do you choose to do? Do you choose to record the bells inside the tower? Do you try to get as close to those bells as possible? Which might not give you actually the best sound because one, they're actually a lot clangier when you're really close. On the other hand, if you're trying to get a better sense of what the sound sounds like to most people standing at the base of the tower, then, you know, you're trying to kind of take an average of what the sounds would be like. Uh, Personally, my favorite is actually I like the sound of bells when you're really far away. I actually think that bells are the most pleasant to listen to when you're listening to bells that are half a mile down the street. One of my favorite memories is actually when I was on tour in England for my first semester abroad in college. I went to Bath, England, Mm, yeah, and I never knew what uh, a peal of bells was at that time. And we'll talk more about change ringing in the future. But when we were touring the Roman Baths, which are right in the center of Bath, England, there's a great Gothic Abbey right next to those Roman Bath ruins. And right in the middle of our tour, a whole peal went off. And uh, I think it was 10 bells ringing a full peal. It was just an amazing experience that sounded really cool close. But as our day went on, this was a three-hour peel. So we got to listen to this peel from many different vantage points in the city. And there's a, a wonderful location in Bath that's a big crescent of buildings and big open fields where you can lie on those fields and kind of look out at a big vista of all of the city. And you could just hear the sounds of these bells coming up the hillside right up into that crescent. And it was sort of bouncing off of you on all sides of you. And it was just a magical experience. I don't remember talking about those bells. No, I've never talked about those bells before, but hey, uh, they came to mind. Was that your first experience hearing a peel, you said? I don't want to go too in the weeds with what change ringing is. But the first time I heard like a peal of bells in England was probably at St. Paul's Cathedral. Sure. Just for like 10 minutes. But then um, I slowly became aware of the different kinds of bell ringing on that trip, both when I was in England, but then also when I took my week-long trip to France for my spring break. And that's when, of course, I heard the bells of Notre Dame for the first time. For the first time in person, to Zach's point. And uh, that's why for this podcast, we, of course, we're focusing on Notre Dame. So I've been talking primarily about Notre Dame, but as... You know, we continue to have bell episodes. I can talk about the different kinds of bell ringing. Well, do you want to talk about Emmanuel? Yeah, I've mentioned that I've been to Notre Dame now three times. The first time was this trip to England and Paris uh, for my semester abroad. But the second time I went was actually during David's semester abroad. Uh, David, you remember uh, when I joined you, I think we met up first in Paris. Is that right? Or did we go to, did we meet up in London and go to Paris and come back? I don't We met up in London. It's funny how much of our two abroad experiences parallel each other to to some extent. And I mean, far too much of my life has just been paralleling you, which at various stages of your life, you have taken as an appreciated tribute and other times as uh, a nuisance. Uh, So (laughs) that keeps things interesting. We look forward to joining you on your podcast, (laughs) whatever topic you want to have a podcast about. David controls the edit. Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Uh, it'll be a podcast about this podcast. Very meta. <laughs> it'll be called Cathedral Talk Weekly. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, so I also did a semester abroad in London and you were talking about a trip to Bath. I also took a trip to Bath. It's interesting you're talking like lying in a field. Mine was in uh, uh, a very snowy day in the dead of winter though. So uh, uh, yeah. that's compl- Mine was like a hot day. I, that's very different. Bath and snow is very pretty. And actually I do remember the church that you're talking about. I, I remember it very clearly. It was one of my first trips away. Yeah, for us, it was like one of our last trips on the whole program. We we, we did the gotcha. uh, Salisbury Stonehenge bath trip. <laughs> we didn't actually even bother to see Stonehenge. <laughs> you, you didn't miss much. Stonehenge is a big letdown when you get there. It would be a lot more fun if you could go up to the stones and touch them, but you're kept at like 50 feet away and all you can do is kind of walk around them. And they look much more cool when you're like in an airplane with an aerial shot than when you're just looking at them on a horizontal plane. That's what I heard. So anyways, 
I remember that church in Bath too, and I remember actually trying to go in and like pitch because I at that point I knew what chain drinking was, uh, and was trying to to figure out what I could see there. I don't I don't think they were peeling. I don't think they were peeling while I was there. Yeah, I got lucky. So, anyways, yeah. So that that was tangent about Bath. They had bells there. Anyways, the the real point of the story here is that we met up in uh, or that we went to Paris together. Yep. Because as it so happens... My second time, his first time. Right. Tom planned to visit me, which is very great, around Easter. And I think your... Remind me, I think your thinking was that you knew that the new bells had just been installed. Yes. And you're like, well, hey, David's there already. There are brand new bells at Notre Dame. It's Easter. Mm-hmm multiple birds with however many stones you felt like all at once in one trip uh and so i was i was a convenient excuse it was that as well as also originally i had intended to go to the london 2012 olympics for a second trip to england and probably also again take a jaunt to france on the the eurostar channel but then I got, I think really what it came down to was I just got lazy and didn't get tickets to anything in time. And I was always like angry at myself for like, you fool, you should have taken life by the horns, you know? Uh, but then right around the time that I was feeling let down that I didn't go to the Olympics, I learned that Notre Dame was getting the new bells. And I was like, oh, that's an even better reason to go than to watch some dumb sports. <laughs> so I planned out the whole trip knowing that David was there. <laughs> I'll remind you what sport event I am skipping for this podcast. Dumb sports. I don't think that dumb was a lacrosse. I don't think that helps the the case that you think sports are particularly important. (laughs) I think my friends are more important than a national championship game featuring my state sponsored hockey league. International, right? Didn't we establish that? Sure. Sure. Yeah. International. (laughs) Is this like the first time your team has actually gone places? Is this why this is a big deal? Since we're on a pronouns kick, define your team. (laughs) No, I thought I was pretty clear. This is the team that my tax dollars go and support. (laughs) That is clearly the only reason why I am interested at all Uh. in them being in the final. And I have not watched any game in this journey that they have taken up until the final. I am the most bellwether fan that has ever existed for this sports team. Your tax dollars support them? I'm sure in some like the stadium was probably like stadium. Built, yeah, yeah, the stadium is the one thing. Yeah. I now have a lot of I never really thought about that. I now have a lot of questions about the sports teams around here. Yeah. Anyway, Tom doesn't want to watch sports and wants to go listen to bells because that's his shtick. Right. It's his shtick. I go on my second trip to Paris and meet up with David. It was also my 21st birthday. Was it also your 21st birthday? Oh, good. Party! Yeah, no, we, we, we just we just watched bells. Didn't have some nice Parisian red wine? Did not. It was a very quick jaunt. It was, Tom was visiting London for a week. It was like 10 days, maybe. Yeah, because, yeah, I think you're like there two weekends because I had normal classes during the week, but then it was Easter, so I had a few days off for Easter. So we took the channel over to Paris for all of one night. Tom uh, bought a nice fancy hotel room for us. We had a few experiences with the bells while we were there. I believe the first, though, was hearing them from the hotel room. That's right. In fact, you can watch that video on YouTube if you want. I don't. I've seen joy on your face a, n- a number of times over the years. When he looks at his children. <laughs> yeah, none of it compared to that moment. <laughs> Brutal. We'll come back to the very expensive hotel room that Tom totally splurged on, leaving David somewhat speechless. We had a very good breakfast there. It was. It did have a good breakfast. Yeah. Omelette du fromage. It was a gigantic. I mean, it was continental, I believe, but it was gigantic. Appropriate for being on the continent. Right. I was going to say, is there any other breakfast? On the continent. On the continent. Incontinent breakfast? Uh, oh, Tom, stop Tom, it. no. <laughs> That's a full English, right? <laughs> he had a wife, you know. <laughs> you know what she's called? <laughs> 
So what other Bell experiences did you have outside of the hotel? I wanted to spend a little bit of quality time explaining the whole set of Bells at Notre Dame. We have, of course, talked about my favorite Bell at Notre Dame and really, of course, my favorite Bell of all time, Emmanuel. Back in episode 10, the great Borden Bell, which survived the French Revolution and, in my opinion, is perhaps the finest sounding bell in the world, a super rich, deep F-sharp sound. But that, of course, is not the only bell at Notre Dame. There are lots of bells at Notre Dame, but that has not been a consistent number in recent years. Like we were saying in this story, back in 2013, Notre Dame received a new set of bells. Have we really never talked about this before? We've never talked about this before. Yeah, we've been saving it for the bell episode. This is like this is like the only thing I know about. The only thing you know about Notre Dame? Yeah, pretty much. What? <laughs> come on, man. It took us this long to get to this? I mean, I think, we, okay, it might have come up once or twice in passing. Whoever's doing the flow charts, uh, please share them on the, the Reddit. There is no Reddit, but feel free to start one. There's, there's no Reddit, but yeah. Lena, go ahead and do that. As we've said, that most of Notre Dame's bells were lost in the French Revolution in the mid-early 19th century. There was originally, I believe, a full set of 10 bells back in uh, the pre-revolutionary times. And again, that number was sometimes augmented and sometimes diminished depending on if certain bells were being replaced or recast. But generally speaking, there were about 10 bells at Notre Dame up until the revolution. Then the revolution happened. The bells were all removed from the towers. And as the story goes, again, it's really hard to verify a lot of this. But as the story goes, the bells were melted down to create cannons and ammunition and whatever kind of war materials you can put to your imagination. All except, of course, Emmanuel, which survived miraculously and eventually was rehung in the South Tower. So after the French Revolution happened, there was then a brief period where there were no bells other than Emmanuel. But then as a sort of makeshift stopgap measure, the uh, I think it's Napoleon III, not the original Napoleon, but a further Napoleon later on, ordered that there be some new bells to put in there to, you know, replace the lost bells. And so hastily, four new bells were recast and they were hung in the North Tower. And these bells, of course, again, there's only four bells. There weren't the original complement of eight or nine or ten. Um, these bells that were hung were definitely inferior quality. Again, it's hard to verify a lot of this, but there were some illusions that maybe there was some lead or other bad metals that got in the alloy, or maybe they were just poorly tuned, or just sometimes casting just goes wrong in general. Bell casting uh, is an easy thing to screw up. But these bells really were disharmonious with Emmanuel. They sound pretty terrible. Uh, but they were there a long time. They were there for uh, 150-ish years. And despite their awful sound quality, they were something that the Parisians got quite used to and many even were quite fond of. Uh, they were said, oh, these are the bells that, you know, rung in the liberation of Paris at the end of World War II. Uh, they're very special. Status quo bias is very strong. As evidenced on this podcast every single episode. Wait, what? Wait, what? <laughs> Almost every single episode we talk about how it's like, you know, this isn't the original stuff, but it's something that I've grown accustomed to. And so I love it and I don't want it to be changed. Oh, right, 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 right. Please don't change it. Except, you know, put it, build it back, but then don't change it. Yeah, see, status quo bias is fine when it's us. Right. Right. When I, when it's anyone else. <laughs> it's a crutch. <laughs> That's pretty great. <laughs> so anyway, the year 2013 was the a significant year for Notre Dame because it was Notre Dame's 850th birthday. Uh, of course, 1163 was when the cornerstone was laid for Notre Dame. So 850 years later, 2013. Were these bells also paid for by Zach's tax dollars? Not my tax dollars. The new bells in Notre Dame were paid for by lots of different funds. And I certainly don't have that information at the call, but they did have an offering box. Oh, that's right. Yeah. I think there's some photographs of me at Notre Dame donating whatever euros I had available, throwing them quite vigorously into this giant offering box to donate to the bells of Notre Dame. So I contributed to those bells. They're they're my bells too. He now I would say he's a one one billionth share owner of those bells. That's right. Um, and the new bells that were cast were cast at the Cornille Havard Bell Foundry in France. Or at least the lighter eight bells were. Uh, their names were Jean-Marie, you know, jo uh, Joseph, Etienne, Marcel, 
Denis, Anne Genevieve, and Gabrielle. And then there was... I'm going to get some more water if you want to try re-recording that. I was going to say that uh, I don't think you need to read all of the names of the bells, but you know what? Just leave that in. I'll be right back. Zach Zach has walked out. (laughs) (laughs) Zach has exited the podcast. (laughs) Quick, say something bad about him. There used to be a compliment of 10 bells at Notre Dame. Of course, that meant they needed nine new bells to sort of rebuild the compliment. They were going to ditch the four inferior bells um, that were cast, you know, after the revolution and then sort of start fresh with a whole new complement of bells that would go well with Emmanuel since that was still the one good bell. The eight lighter bells were cast at the French foundry Cornille Havar uh, in 2012. But then because of limitations towards just the uh, scale of the production facility, they had to outsource the largest of the new bells to be cast, the Bell Marie. And that was uh, outsourced to the Royal Ice Bouts Foundry in Holland. Ooh, sacrilege. It's funny. It's actually funny how many times people have outsourced to Royal Ice Bouts. It's happened more than once. Same thing happened with the Olympic Bell that you might recall, which we talked about on the podcast. They got space there, I guess. Yeah, it's a, apparently it's a big facility that can do big bells. But the Royal Ice Bouts Foundry cast the sort of secondary Borden that hangs in the South Tower with Emmanuel. The eight lighter bells were put in the North Tower and then the two heavier bells are in the South Tower. And the sound quality is just stark night and day between how the bells used to sound, the inferior bells of the post-revolution period, and then the new 2013 bells. And we have a few YouTube links that I'm sharing uh, with our episode notes, but we'll also put a few quick excerpts here for you to listen to. This is a quick recording, which you can also find on YouTube, of the bells ringing at Notre Dame on Christmas Day back in 2011. And uh, you will hear Emmanuel in the background. Remember, Emmanuel is supposed to sound, is a good sounding bell. But I think in contrast, the other bells are rather discordant. So have a listen. trying to think of a way of a more artful way of saying is they're just discordant like they're just they're just not in tune they are very clangy is the word i would use i think there's something about some of the harmonics in them when you hear one overtone to the next they just don't light line up the right way uh but if you click on the recording from tom and david we briefly shot some footage of listening to the bells at Notre Dame, standing on the gallery of the gargoyles or the gallery of the chimeras, which just sort of is the upper balustraded zone at the base of the towers above like the rose windows. It was quite close and it was it took some doing, but you, David, do you remember how we had to time it to get up there at just the right moment? So yeah, on Easter morning, we woke up early and there was a whole program because this was the... I sh- we should say that not only were these bells new, but this was like their official quote unquote unveiling. And so they don't all ring that often. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't, it's not even once a week, right? It's it's early as Emmanuel doesn't ring once a week or something like that. Yeah. So Emmanuel only rings a couple times a year just for the major religious holidays. So this was going to be the only time where you could hear the new bells and Emmanuel. Exactly. For quite a while. So they had a whole program that morning of multiple ringings maybe every couple of hours i think i think there was three times between maybe 8 a.m and 1 p.m where they were going to 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 ring them yeah and so one of the things that they let you do at notre dame i don't know uh (laughs) they certainly don't let you do this now uh but uh uh is you could take a tour up to if you can picture the two towers at the front of notre dame you can walk up some stairs from the side in that space in between the two towers um and you get a great view of the city uh, which is really the main reason that most people do that. Obviously, you know, it's obviously fun to be up in the 
Cathedral too. But we very specifically wanted to try to get up there for when the bells were going to to ring. So this was the mid-morning ring, probably 10, 11 a.m. And we got into the line. It was a pretty long line. Uh, maybe... 30, 45 minutes before we expected uh, that they were going to go off. And as the line was progressing, we were like spending the whole time like trying to evaluate, like, are we going to make it? Are we going to miss it? Are we going to make it? Because you can't really like, you, you you couldn't ask to be up there at a the certain time. You're Once you're up there, you're only allowed there for a certain amount of time. So it was a lot of luck and guesswork. But as it so happens, we were pretty much the last people to go up right before as we got up there they started going so we got there at absolute perfect timing uh, they started off slow i don't remember if it started off with just like one and then two and then and then eventually all of them um going at once and zach you're talking about visceral experiences hearing bells standing up between the two towers and hearing them all go off not only is that just fun in and of itself but knowing that's a special occasion a lot of stars aligned right then yeah, it was one of my favorite memories, and I've been lucky enough to listen to the bells ring a second time up there, very much like the way I did the first time with David. That's a story for maybe a little later. Again, like I said, you can only listen to all of Notre Dame's bells on a few days of the year because Emmanuel is so precious, they only ring it so often, that uh, every single time I've been to Paris, it's always been on Easter. Uh, one, the weather's nice, but two, more importantly, I know I can listen to all the bells on Easter, which is why that's why I always go to Paris at that date. So the full new complement of bells at Notre Dame is my favorite tower to listen to. And while I'm a change ringer, and again, we'll talk more about change ringing in the future sometime. Episode 30. <laughs> yeah, probably. Yeah. I'm certainly partial to the sound of change ringing. Nonetheless, I just love the sound of these new bells at Notre Dame. Again, Emmanuel and Marie and the lighter bells all just have such a harmonious quality to them that uh, it, it's something that I can truly meditate to and really just sort of I'm not trying to use the word religious, but it, it, it's almost a religious experience for me just listening to it when I do. It's one of my favorite sounds to listen to. So here's a listen, uh, a quick excerpt of all the bells of Notre Dame ringing. Noticing how many views that video you uploaded of my video to your previous YouTube channel uh, has 6,000 views, but then I realized those are probably all you, so <laughs> not quite as impressive. Yeah, maybe, maybe not quite as many. So Zach, can you do you have opinions uh, comparing the two? Uh, it It's a difficult lead-in to my opinion talking about these bells as a spiritual experience for Tom, because if I describe them as anything less than transcendental than how how maligning am i going to be it's like sliding the enterprise d exactly this is this just looks like any other spaceship to me i don't understand this is like an x-wing or a <laughs> babylon 5 they all look oh the god <laughs> the one from never mind so yeah i, I mean you don't want me to describe them. It sounds like metal hitting metal. <laughs> I, I don't. I, I don't want you to describe. I'm. I'm curious if you can actually tell a difference between the older ones and the newer ones. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think if you were to sit, like, if you were to pick me tomorrow, having had just listened to them today, and you were to play one of them, and you were to ask me, 
is this the revolutionary set of bells or is this the remastered set of bells? I don't think I would be able to answer that question. Yeah, I wouldn't I expect you to to be able to do that. I, I, I truly just actually care listening to them back to back, recognizing that's not how you do it in the real world. But back to back, can you tell a difference? A little bit. But I think it's clouded by context. Sure. I think a lot of times when I'm talking to people about wine and I'm not a wine expert here, mm-hmm. and I think if there are wine experts in Tom students, which again is our collective noun for the listening audience, <laughs> not actually his high schoolers. Um, and they hear me describe like if you serve red and white wines at the same temperature, it's really difficult to tell the difference between the two of them. Yeah. yeah. Like, uh, I, I can't disagree. As I said, my 21st birthday was spent listening to bells. So <laughs> yeah, I drink a lot of wine and I wouldn't be able to tell the difference except like in the context of the meal, like you're looking at it, right? Sure. It's, it's in a different setting. You pair white wine with different foods and you're like, oh, this is a really fruity, crisp white wine. And it's like, <laughs> you know, you, you say those things, not because they're necessarily on your palate. And again, your 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 tongue isn't going to be able to mm-hmm. to understand this. It's mostly your nose. You're asking me about the bells. Like my ears are even less attuned to the difference. And so, like to me, they're bells, mm-hmm. and they they sound nice. Sure, and that's fine. I, I I'm curious, taking it just one step removed from bells. Are there any particular instruments that you were more akin to that you, if you listen to different productions of that instrument you can tell a a noticeable drop in quality i would not be able to tell if a stradivarius was a stradivarius i wouldn't be able to tell if a steinway was a steinway uh yeah but what but you and tom did play trombone together right at at we did yeah yep so you have some musical uh ability uh presumably i don't know i haven't heard you maybe you don't um if you and tom were playing out of tune you would be able to tell that right Yeah. And so when you're talking about the bells being out of tune, like I understand intellectually what you're talking about when describing the revolutionary bells, Uh but, um, you can't tell though. It just sounds like metal hitting metal. That's interesting. No, that that's, that's really, I, to me, it's pretty clear, but I think that does come from hearing enough that I have context. Like you say, I, I, I have some background knowledge and it's maybe not as intuitive as I initially would have assumed. Yeah, and I'd say that context is really important even to a lay person because I can tell, and I don't know how much of the context is important here about, like, I'm watching a video about Notre Dame. Right. I'm on a podcast about Notre Dame. Like, I can tell there's a difference between what I was listening to and a bunch of pots and pans dropped down the stairs, yeah. which is metal hitting metal as well. Like, they're different. Like, I recognize that, uh, but I don't know how much of that recognition of that difference comes down to context and how much of that comes down to my ears. Sure. Agreed. And I, I want to also briefly mention that, you know, this trip that I did with David was my second trip to France. My first uh, time I was in France, uh, when I was on my own semester abroad, you know, the old bells were still there. So I've heard both sets of bells in person. I didn't get any recordings myself of the old bells at the time. The old bells, uh, I I didn't have enough equipment with me to get any recordings. You didn't have a janky Canon camera like I did. Nor did it have any aspirations at the time to be doing a podcast in 2007. I don't think I knew what podcasts were at that time, if there were such things as podcasts. I did in 2013. I knew nine years later I would find myself doing a podcast about these bells and I was going to want this recording. This is the kind of quality that Tom Stu are expecting nine years of buildup yeah. for these episodes. Nine years of planning. Exactly. I will say, though, that the when I went to Notre Dame expecting to hear this glorious peal of bells. Man, Tom is not entertaining us at all. He wants to be enraptured. I'm going to move right past it because I want to tell this. I want to tell this story. He specifically told us to put color commentary over the story. Here you go. When I was in Paris to see Notre Dame for the very first time in 2007, the old bells were still there, uh, but I didn't know it at the time. I didn't know anything about bells in 2007, and I was expecting this glorious peal because of, well, of course, as you know it, the Disney movie. Uh, when you watch all those shots of all the bells ringing and the cartoon hunchback of Notre Dame, 
man, do they amplify the uh, volume of those towers to hold just like this armada of bells that are gargantuan in size. And yeah, they're large towers, but they're not skyscrapers like the Disney movie portrays them. They're not as huge as that makes it look. No, no. Though, though that that that's a I never thought about that. Are they? Does the Disney movie use the correct bells from the post revolutionary? No, that's a good. No. That's a very. Does it use a manual at least? No. Okay, that's uh, a sign in and of itself that the the Disney people are like. Oh boy, Ugh, these aren't <laughs> these aren't in tune. These don't fit our music. But you know where I'm going with this. Do I? Yes, you do. No. Yes, you do. No. It'll be interesting to see what choices they make when. Oh, no. The live-action Disney Hunchback of Notre Dame comes out in however many years. Keep forgetting they're making that. Are they actually making that, or is this something we just... Yeah, they're actually making that. I feel like this is something we just fever-dreamed together. No, no, I looked it up, and there was an internet website that said it'll probably happen. An internet website said... (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Your mom is absolutely loving this section. (laughs) I really, I, 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 if I had my dream cast, I would just like in a harpy, like, be like, can you just make Charles dance Frollo, please? Charles dance Frollo. I would watch that so hard. You would have anyways. Yeah. But anyway, no, that's good casting. Yeah. That would be good casting. So when I went to listen to the bells for the first time, I was really disappointed because I was expecting this grand cacophony of music and I had just been exposed to lots of grand cathedrals in England with all their chain ringing bells. St. Paul's, I went to Warwick's St. Mary's Church, I went to like Bath Abbey, like I talked about, so I heard a share of peals throughout England, which all sounded terrific. Uh, So I was expecting equally terrific music at Notre Dame, and I was sadly disheartened that the music was not as good uh, with the bells as I expected it to be, and I just couldn't believe this. So that's when I started my quest to learn more about why were the bells of Notre Dame so bad. You did know enough to know that they would be ringing in the continental style of random noise rather than i didn't even know what chain ringing was at this time okay so what so i i didn't really know the difference yeah so was it not only a that the bells sounded discordant but also why are they ringing randomly rather than in in the neat orderly patterns that i was hearing in england that but also they're just so fewer of them like when you go to saint paul's cathedral a peal of bells is 12 bells so you're hearing 12 large bells ringing in these you know complex patterns notre dame four normal bells and then emmanuel so five altogether sure yeah. the difference between 12 and five just yeah take out all the mathematics still very different but again, I, 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 there was the saving grace that I did hear Emmanuel for the first time on its own. And I thought, of course, that that was a gorgeous sound. I just wanted more bells to go with it, which is why then I was so excited in 2013 to learn that they were just ditching the terrible post-revolution bells and starting over because there were multiple sources all saying, yep, we all agree in general that these old bells or these post-revolution bells are quite dreadful. I wonder how long in the works that was. Yeah, I'm, that's a good question. How long? It, obviously, it took several years. Um, I mean, the casting was in 2012, but procuring the money and then preparing for the 850th birthday. It might have even been in the works when you visited in 2007. It's quite possible. And there's a, I, I might as well tell the story now just because it's a funny little side note. The first time I was in Paris listening to these bells and getting ready for Easter, I thought that Notre Dame was going to be one of the biggest destinations on earth for an Easter service, right? You know, I mean, it's a big Christian church, so maybe hard to get in. So I thought it'd be a great idea to pull an all-nighter in front of Notre Dame <laughs> the night before. So I just waited in the great square in front of Notre Dame all through the night, uh, thinking that like it w- this is what it would take to get in line to get in. I was the only one there. (laughs) There's like a a weird thing too. There's like a point at night in Paris where like all the lights turn out. (laughs) Wait, what? It's a city of lights. Yeah, well. Well, probably that's specifically on that little island. On that little spot, right? Or at least I should say all the lights around Notre Dame, including everything illuminating Notre Dame, just turn off. So like, you know, you're, you're you're down there and, you know, it's 10 p.m., 11 p.m., midnight, you know, Notre Dame's being all lighted up with like big spotlights and, you know, you can see it at night and it looks great. But there's just a point where like all those lights go out and it's like really dark. 
really, really dark in the middle of the night, right in front of Notre Dame. You didn't even have a smartphone back then. What did you do with yourself? <laughs> I sat there for a long time. Oh, man. Yeah. I mean, I guess we are Quaker. Like, you could have an impromptu Quaker meeting. Yeah, yeah. I, 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 Long silence. I, I enjoyed it. I, I, I realized about partway through that this was like the first time I, I'm not an all, like the kind of person to pull all-nighters. I like staying up late, but I'm not usually the person to pull an all-nighter. But I was like, Notre Dame is worth it. You're going to pull an all-nighter and you're going to sit out in front of it and meditate all night. And I was like halfway through and I was like, mm, having some second thoughts about this. <laughs> So anyway, after I was waiting on the bench for several hours, um, late into the night, some French guy came up to me to bum a cigarette. And when I informed him that I didn't smoke, he seemed quite puzzled. He said, you're sitting out here in the center of Paris at 3 a.m. and you don't smoke? <laughs> I said, yeah, I'm here to see the Easter sunrise. You know, the sun, it rises. And then he just went okay and he walked off and you weren't mugged i wasn't mugged and i had a lot of stuff on me including my <laughs> laptop i you understand i had checked out of my hostel what like i had no i had no place to sleep i was like i was i was on the streets for a night without a place to sleep because i was like that's my plan so yeah i had i was i was packing a full backpack Wow. Yeah. I didn't know that part of it. I didn't realize that you would, Oh yeah. I mean I guess you saved money that way. I did save money that way. You know, you ignored the Olympics last time you were over in Europe to go see Notre Dame. Are you going to go to Paris during the, the Paris Olympics to go see Notre Dame? He's been talking about that for years. So I kind of want to. The tricky thing is being a father of two now. Mistakes were made. Um, we'll see. They're going to love listening to that bit. <laughs> Uncle David thinks we're a mistake. Yeah, yeah, cut that. <laughs> I regret it as soon as it came out of my mouth. <laughs> you could just put, they're, they're small enough to put in the overhead compartment, right? Yeah. Well, I, for me, partially, it comes down to, I think, realistically, I'm going to be able to weasel one more trip to Paris out of my wife in the next 10 years, probably not two. So the question is timing it just right. So they go there not only to hear bells and, you know, maybe see the Olympics, but does that actually line up with a good point in the restoration of Notre Dame? Oh. Because they keep saying that the restoration will be ready for the Olympics, but David confirmed with us last time that there's just no way that's happening. So um, He confirmed yeah. David's part of the Restoration Council. I just call it like I see it. David is our reporter on the scene. As the arsonist. Mm -hmm. I presume the bells haven't rung since the fire. No, they haven't. And they won't until the restoration's done, I presume. And in fact, I have some breaking news that I wanted to share with both of you, and I almost forgot this. Oh, I'm sure it'll be breaking when this comes out in two months. Yeah, breaking news. I, relatively, I only learned this in the last month when I um, finally got some answers to some legit reporting I did talking to people. I sent you all some new images. Man, he's bringing things on us partway through now. I know, right? A long time ago, uh, much earlier in the podcast, I mentioned how I had been trying in vain to try to find updated pictures of the status of the two bell towers at Notre Dame post-fire. Whoa. I finally got images by asking for them. Yeah. I, I did a little journalism, and uh, I finally got people on the back end to take some pictures and send them our way of what is the current status of the bell frames in the tower at Notre Dame. The answer is bad. It's not good. Yeah. The North Tower which is the one that has the eight lighter new bells from 2013, did get scorched pretty darn hard. Yeah, you can see it here. Jeez. Yeah, yeah. It's It, it was bad. It was real bad. That North Tower was really scary. It got hurt quite bad. And it was, you know, kind of touch and go there. Are they going to be able to put this out? And is it going to cause irreparable damage to the tower? Fortunately, the South Tower that housed Emmanuel was not damaged nearly as extensively. I don't think it actually caught a light. Although there is some extensive stone scorching on the Gallery of Chimeras on the base of that South Tower, but that's not quite the same predicament. Anyway, uh, we'll share the images on our website of the damage that occurred to the bell frames of the bells in Notre Dame, but there is some good news. The report is that the bells are said to all be fine. Um, I'm still a little bit like, did all that heat, did all that hotness like mess with their casting and their sound? Maybe not. Maybe, maybe they sound just as glorious as ever. I don't know. I guess we'll only really know once they can ring again. 
But the other bit of news is that clearly the bell frame that was all made of wood in that North Tower is not safe and does need to be dismantled. And it's going to be. By the end of the year, the bell frame in the North Tower is scheduled to be thoroughly dismantled. The eight lighter bells in the North Tower will be lowered. Uh, <laughs> you know, they've they had a short run 2013 to 2022, I guess. Yeah. Uh, but at least none of the bells fell. None of the bells were destroyed. And hopefully they will be rebuilding a new bell frame, presumably out of wood, just like they're rebuilding the roof completely out of wood. And once it's all rehung again, we'll hopefully be able to listen to all the bells again. And as far as I know, they'll just leave the South Tower's bell frame intact and probably, you know, do some kind of cleaning or scouring to touch up some of the stone that was scorched. It's intriguing to me that of the pictures that they sent you, they only sent you one of the bells. Yeah. Uh, And I don't want to necessarily read too much into that, but it does make me wonder if like, this is the only one that is safely accessible. Uh, Just like, yeah, without having to walk into far more treacherous terrain up there. That's a very good question. I mean, they'll have to get up there to dismantle the bells. Sure, sure. But like for taking pictures for a random person with the podcast. Random. Yeah, yeah. uh, For photography purposes. This might be the only one that is easily uh, accessible. We are the premier Notre Dame Minecraft podcast on the planet. We are. The Minecraft part there was important. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not, we're probably not the premier Notre Dame podcast. We probably are the premier Notre Dame and Minecraft podcast. Maybe. Man, if there's someone bigger than us, (laughs) fight us. Fight us. Zach will fight them. (laughs) Fight Zach. Fight Zach. Zach will fight. Come on our podcast. Defend your title. We'll out podcast you. We got pictures. Do you have pictures in your podcast? No way. We've got videos. Do you have videos in your podcast? No way. We have show notes. We have show notes. They probably have show notes. I mean, if they are bigger than us, please do come on to our podcast so we can get some of your audience. (laughs) Yeah, we would love to talk with you. Yeah. Yeah. We need that bump. As one final anecdote, I did a third trip to Paris uh, with my wife back in 2017. And which was kind of a nice time because that was the 10 year anniversary of my first trip in 2007. And once again, it was on Easter purposely intended so I could hear all the bells ringing again. And I did try to do the same thing that I did with David, where I wanted to be on the, you know, the gallery of chimeras at the at the base of the towers and be able to listen to them. Uh, but it was harder to time this time because I think the schedule was just different. And also, I think they were just closing the tours up there earlier. They didn't have a rule like, you know, you have to exit these portions of the towers at exactly these times. Uh, they were trying to like shoo people you know, kind of along like we want to close this place up. Not only did I get to be back up at the tops of the towers listening to the bells up there again, when I was like basically hanging out at the very end of this tour, you know, as I let other people pass us once we were inside and they were trying to shoo us out to get us at the close of the end of the day. But I was wearing my Washington Ringing Society t-shirt for bell ringing and I sort of pointed and grunted and said bell in English (laughs) and (laughs) and, um, uh. one of the tour guides just sort of said, come with me (laughs) and... And they took me into the South Tower of Notre Dame. It's ridiculous. While the bells just began to actually ring. So I actually got to watch Emmanuel and Marie, its new partner, ring swinging back and forth. Of course, I had to put my fingers in my ears the whole time because it's deafeningly loud. But uh, I actually got to be there like right next to Emmanuel when it was ringing for real. It is one of my greatest highlights of my life. Again, you're a father of two. Here I thought... Here I thought we had this special moment. I couldn't let you have a more special moment than my wife, David. I had to replicate it. (laughs) Between your wife and me, who cares about bells? That's a good point. (laughs) You can plead the fifth. Uh, And you didn't get any footage of that either, right? No, that was actually a conscious decision. I said to myself, what's more important right now? Trying to capture this on camera or just trying to truly experience it as a human? And I opted for experience it as a human, which, you know, I have some regrets that I can't just be like, oh, here I am. I'm recording on my phone or something. But, you know, it's like one of those times where it's like, do you want to take a picture of the eclipse or do you want to watch the eclipse? You know, I respect that. And I was like, I want to be here to experience this just as it is. And that'll be something that I just I will take myself. I hope to be able to do it again one day uh, once Notre Dame's all fixed up and, you know. 
maybe we can uh, build a little more notoriety with the podcast, but uh, it would uh, be a terrific experience to once again do. You heard it here first. Make Tom notorious. That's it for now. Check out our podcast website at cathedraltalk.fm. There you will find many architectural visuals and Minecraft goodies. If you would like to support our efforts here at Cathedral Talk to aid in the restoration of Notre Dame, please use the direct link on our website to donate to Friends of Notre Dame de Paris.org. Friends of Notre Dame is a nonprofit organization that is leading the international fundraising efforts to rebuild and restore Notre Dame Cathedral. By donating to them through the link at cathedraltalk.fm, we'll know that our podcast is reaching new patrons. As our own Minecraft project progresses, we'll be sure to share plans, screenshots, and videos for your own visual palette. Good day, and happy building.